0: Love that song because it, it really centers us around what uh, about what Christmas is really about uh, the Emmanuel coming for us. And, and it, it's based off of this verse and, and the service is based off of this verse in Matthew chapter one, verse 23. And it says this, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's the reality of Christmas, isn't it? It's God coming to be a part of us. That's that's the whole Christmas story summarized in one verse, that God came to be a part of our lives. He took on human flesh to be with us. And I love it because it shows how God wanted to be a part of everything in our lives, and I, I love the story uh, in Luke 2. It, it tells the whole story of Christmas uh, and that, that night that Jesus was born. And, and, and it really tells the story of how God was with them. And so Luke chapter 2, it's, it's my favorite thing to read this time of year. And it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to be registered with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests." But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And I'd love to read that because it, it just reminds us of what happened on that night. It centers us around just that story of God coming to be with us. And just think about all the emotions that would have, been, would have been going on at that moment. Mary is nine months pregnant and has to travel. Guys, think about traveling your, with your wife when she's nine months pregnant <laughs> on a donkey. It's crazy, right? And then, and then we have the shepherds who are out in the fields watching over their sheep. And then an angel appears to them, and they are terrified. We would be too. But the great thing is, is that God showed up to be with us. And so right now we're going to stand and we're going to sing the song that those angels proclaimed at that moment. So will you guys stand and sing with us?
1: Son, he sent us a piece of heaven, so we're gonna praise him for that. Let's sing this together. Children, weep no more, hope is all. just to take a moment, turn, and say Merry Christmas to someone, and then you may be seated.
2: Christmas in Cali is a little different, isn't it? I mean, you could be going up into the mountains and hoping for some snow and you might get some, or you can go out to the beach where it's like today, 78 degrees and sunny in December. You never know what you're gonna get. But it's really not about where you celebrate Christmas, it's about who. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable, He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. Those are the carefully chosen words of a pastor and a writer named Max Lucado. I know Christmas is hectic and crazy and busy and fun and exciting. I mean, Christmas is a time they say for family and friends, but, but it's also a time for reflection, isn't it? Have you asked why? I don't mean like why, like a toddler trying to stall the bedtime routine, like why, why, why? I mean like why? Why, Jesus, would you do this? Why would you put on flesh and come to us? Why would you be so dependent? I remember when our daughters were born. I mean, I remember the moment like it was yesterday and it was 30 years ago or more. But those little fingers, those piercing little eyes, those beautiful little babies, and yet completely dependent on us. Why? Like, Why would Jesus allow himself, the the God of the universe, to put on flesh and be completely dependent? Well, in a word, you. You know, maybe you've heard it said, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I totally agree with that. But this is also true. And listen carefully. You are the reason for the season. And I know that because of this. Listen, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now my assumption is that most of you know what Christmas is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about Jesus and it becomes a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I also am gonna guess that you know that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is not to sing loudly for all to hear, but it's to focus on Jesus. I mean, the real cheer, the real joy, the real excitement of Christmas is knowing that God put on a bod, and came into the neighborhood. That's what he did for us. Yeah, he, he came to town on that very first Christmas night, that holy night. By the way, it wasn't holy because all the surroundings were ideal, that the conditions weren't ideal. Otherwise, he would have been a nice, soft, comfy bed in a hotel room, no. They're in a stable. They're in a barn. They wrapped the Son of God in a cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. Jesus put on flesh for you. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He was susceptible to wooing women. He got colds, burped, and had body odor. His feelings got hurt and his head ached. To think of Jesus in such a light seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's uncomfortable. It is much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. There is something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant, packaged and predictable, but don't do it. For heaven's sakes, don't. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and muck of our world. For only if we let him in, Can he pull us out? Yeah. Can we get a wow? Wow. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. All of you. Wow is right. You hear something like that. You're, you're just prone to like say something like Matt. Wow. Beautiful. Something. It just kind of hits at the core, right? That holy night. If you're watching during the video segment, I said it wasn't holy because the situation was ideal. perfect think about it Mary and Joseph traveled 91 miles while fully pregnant to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem to find out there was no room for them so they are stuck in a barn it wasn't the ideal situation but it was wholly because of what God was up to and and let me just say something your life doesn't have to be perfect for God to show up See, some of you are feeling the tension of Christmas right now. Like you're, you have people coming over in like a few minutes and you're not ready yet. It's like, you want to get home first before they get there because something's got to be put away. Something's got to be turned on. Something's got to be changed. Or maybe they're coming over tomorrow and you're, it's just, it's hitting you even now. Like you have people you don't even like coming to your house tomorrow, but they're family. So you do it. And things aren't gonna be perfect, but at the end of the day, you're gonna go, that was a great Christmas. More important than just this little application to Christmas is our life. Our life doesn't have to be ideal. For you and for me to experience this truth, there is good news that causes great joy. Isn't that how the angel said it? Luke chapter 2, do not be afraid. They said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I love that last phrase, all the people. That's, that's me. That's you. That's like, that's still us, like all the people. This is for everyone. He doesn't say just the people who are good enough. No, this, this is good news for all the people whose lives may be a wreck, whose lives may be a mess. It's like, no, this is still good news for you too. Good news for me. And we need to hear it and understand it. I want to go back to the first phrase, though. They say, do not be afraid. I think there's there's a lot of fear involved in just life itself. But as I read through the Bible, and I've done it several times, I I, kind of see reoccurring themes. And one of them comes up multiple times in different scenarios, different situations, different seasons with different people. And God says the same thing. He says it like this, do not be afraid. And then he says, because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am with you. That's the promise. And that's the very promise. That's the central message that just shines through the announcement of this very first Christmas. Matthew one23 You've already heard it twice during the service. Here it is one more time. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means, everybody say it with me. God with us. God with us. That's the promise. That's the hope. That's the good news that causes great joy. But let's go back to do not be afraid. I think in the Christmas story, we see a lot of people who were afraid. Yeah, the shepherds were one. They got shocked out of their pants out there in the middle of nowhere with the sheep and these angels come out of there. And I know they probably had dresses or gowns on or something. But you get the picture, right? Like they are, they are, it says in the Bible, terrified. So the first thing the angel said is, do not be afraid. Like they, they needed to hear that. But it wasn't just them. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph being assigned the task of being the parents to God in the flesh? You know, I think partly what gives us fear is just the unknown, How much of their journey was unknown? Okay, God, we're in. Now what? I'll tell you in a minute. And they would just take a step of obedience, and then he would fill them in on the next step of obedience. There was so much unknown in that journey of raising Jesus. You know there had to be fear and anxiety and stress that went with that. One of the characters in the Christmas story is not a good guy. guy. His name is King Herod. And when Herod heard that there was a new king born, it says he was afraid. I'm not going to go into everything that happened with that, but he was afraid. Uh, fear just shows up over and over in the Christmas story. So I did some research this week. You know what that means, right? I Googled it. I wanted to see what people are afraid of today. And I got sidetracked, man. I got sidetracked. There's these really long words that end in phobia. Let me tell you a couple of them I saw. One of them was some people, this is like a clinical fear. They have fear of peanut butter. There's a big long word for it, ends in phobia. Like I had never heard of that before, right? I love peanut butter. I'm glad I'm not afraid of peanut butter. Another one was, big long word ends in phobia, the fear of bald people. I don't know why that one caught my eye, you know? Don't raise your hands. I know you're already sitting in the back, right? It's like you're going to get as far away from me as you can. Okay, but for fun, let's just see if you're afraid of a few things. So here's some of the more popular ones. Right, how many of you are afraid of spiders? Let's your hands. All right, there's quite a few of you. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Oh, I hate those things, man. You're riding your mountain bike up in the hills, and you come around the corner, And I squeal like a 12-year-old girl, like every single time I see a snake up there. How many of you are afraid to see your January credit card bill? (laughs) Got some takers on that one too, right? All right, don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you are afraid that next year is just not going to get any better? Like your marriage isn't going to be any better, your health's not going to be any better, your job's not going to be any better. Maybe it's a fear of being stuck, a fear of being insignificant, a fear of going through yet another calendar year and coming to the end of it and having nothing to show for it. I think it's an honest fear for people if we were honest. I do know this. It's insane to start our New Year's resolutions off with a list of things that we wanna see happen and yet we make no changes. If we stay the same, things are gonna be the same. You you get that, right? No, I don't care what our intentions or our hopes are, it's like no, there's gotta be some changes that have to happen. And there's there's one significant change I just want us to focus in on for just a couple of minutes. See, we, we've talked about he is with us, his promise, God with us, I am with you. That's what he says. That promise declares his commitment to us. And the one thing that can change everything for us is our commitment to say, I want to be with you. i want to follow you. That decision itself is a big deal. But the way I would like to kind of phrase it so that you can understand what I'm talking about is this. Our decision to follow Jesus is personal. Like, I have to make that decision, but it is never intended to be private. It's a personal decision. I have to choose. Okay, God, I understand you came for me. You gave your life for me. You, you died for me so that I could have life. You, you forgive me. It's like, all you did all this, but I have to choose. That's a personal decision. I have to choose, yes, I want that relationship. But as soon as I make that, it's not private. In fact, in the Bible, when we read the Bible, we see people in the early church, and they made their decision to follow Jesus. It says they they confessed him as Lord, and they were baptized. Like, in front of people, they were dunked in the water. Like, that's what they did. It's like they went public. One of the cool things, I mean, really cool things this year at Community is, uh, as of now, we've had 113 people in 2023 who got baptized. 113 people who said... I want that relationship. Like, I recognize that he is with me. I want to be with him. Like, I want that relationship. So that's exciting. We celebrate every single time somebody takes that that huge step to go public with their faith. But it's more than just a a one-time thing, like raising our hand or saying a prayer or getting baptized. It really is about the way we live our life. It's not intended to be private. In fact, what God calls us into, when we make the decision to follow him, he calls us into his family. It's called the church. Now, every now and then, somebody says, uh, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, at times, I'm tempted to tell him I'm I'm a photographer, because I do that, but... Uh, that's not my full-time gig, right? I don't want to tell them I'm a pastor right off because sometimes that just closes the door. Like, as soon as I say pastor, pff, they don't want to talk to me anymore. Or all they want to talk to about is weird church scenarios. So I'm like, I'm just, let's, talk about, let's talk about photography, right? So they, they want to say, like, I want, I, what do you do? I think what happens sometimes for people, when they hear the word church, all kinds of things come to mind. When somebody finds out that I am a pastor, this is what I get sometimes. Well, well, I I worship God in the mountains. (laughs) I worship God on the beach. I worship God in fishing while I'm fishing. And you can do those things. But what they're talking about is a relationship with God in isolation of everybody else. That's not what God called us to. He says, you're you're a part of my family now. Now, here's the thing. I got some good news and bad news. The bad news is the family's kind of messed up. Just look around. Ain't none of us in this room got it all figured out. None of us are perfect. None of us have just this clean track record. Like, we all need God's help. That's why we're here. And we can't do it on our own. In fact, somebody counted, and I don't know who did this first, but I've been hearing this for years, and I've used it like more than 50 times in the New Testament when God's talking to the church More than 50 times he uses the phrase one another. Like, we're supposed to be doing this together. He says, love one another, forgive one another, care for one another, serve one another, carry one another's burdens, encourage one another. You know, it's like on and on. It's like, we're supposed to do this together. So our decision to follow him is personal, but it's not private. Like, I'm supposed to do this with other people. And I follow him while locking arms with his family. Again, the the church we don't always get it right because we're imperfect people and sometimes we mess it up. Some of you are here tonight and you were blindsided by a church sometime in your history. And it took a lot of courage just to walk in here. I want to say thank you. The church is filled with imperfect people who sometimes do stupid things and I'm one of them. But God called us to do this together. And we really can't get where he wants us to get without the help of some other people in our life who aren't perfect, but who are heading in the same direction. Another way that this kind of was clarified for me was earlier in my life. I was 17 years old. My dad is a pastor, and our church was downtown, and our house and my school was in the suburbs. My church friends and my school friends never met each other. In fact, if they would have talked, they would have never thought we're talking about the same person. Because I knew how to play church. And I was good at it. My school friends, they didn't even know I went to church. (laughs) And if I would have said it, they probably would have laughed in my face. 17 years old, in the words of George Costanza, my worlds collided. (laughs) Some of you are old enough to remember Seinfeld. But in that night and in that moment, I just I got caught, like I got found out. I was two different people. And King David in the old testament, after Great sin, and I don't mean great like in a really cool way. I mean like horrible sin, great magnitude. He says to God, what you really desire is a broken and contrite heart. Meaning, I'm not just sorry I got caught. And that was me that night. I wasn't just sorry I got caught. I was sorry I had been trying to live in two different worlds. I had one foot firmly in the church. If you were to ask me, do I love God? Yes and I know how to do the church thing, but, but I love this other stuff too. And I finally said, that's it. I'm all in right now. See, if I can put it in Christmas terms, this is what happened to me, and this is what dawned on me on that night, and it wasn't Christmas, but this is the way I would say it now. I know that I needed something different. I don't need more presents like under the tree. What I needed was his presence. And I didn't just need it that one night back when I was 17 years old. I need his presence every day now. Here's the thing about presents. They're fun. How many of you open tonight? How many of you open presents tonight? Let me see your hands. Very few of you, all right? How many of you open tomorrow, like most of them tomorrow, all right? The rest of you, you? didn't get it. Like you You're on the naughty list. Like, <laughs> How many of you, like me, only bought stuff for yourself on Black Friday? Anybody else? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the only one? Okay, I'm not. The thing about presents is they're fun. But in a few weeks, some of those presents are going to be collecting dust. And some are going to be broken. Give it a year, some will be sold in a garage sale. Some of what you get will not fit because you had too many cookies before and after this service. (laughs) And giving Christmas presents is fun, and it demonstrates our love for each other, and we enjoy doing that. But I don't need more stuff. I need Jesus. I need his presence. I need him with me. I can't do this without him. So Some of you might come to a church at a service like this and think, oh, the people here, they must have their lives all together. No. Sometimes we just know how to hide it better than other people. And what I want you to realize, and I'm serious about it, what I want you to realize is that it's okay to just say, you know what, I've got some bad days, and sometimes I have some bad thoughts, and sometimes I do some wrong things, but I do love Jesus. I want to be back on track. I want, I want to walk with him every day. I know that he's with me. I want to be with him. And that's the decision I want to make. I want to be with him. I'm going to pray for you. But I need to set it up. I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to break this into like three categories. Um, there, there, there are probably more categories of people here, but I'm just going to say, I'm going to specifically mention three different groups. One Group one would be people like me who maybe have said, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I love Jesus. I've had my moments where I've blown it, but man, I love what I, I, love what I do. I love serving other people. I'm, I'm on the right path. Even though I'm not a perfect person, I'm on the right path, and I'm going 100,000 100, miles an hour. Like, that's where I want to, I want to follow Jesus. Some of you are there, man. I'm, I'm so excited for you. We've got a bunch of people in our church like that, and it just shows on their face. But there's a bunch of you who have been where I was, and maybe you are now where I was. I told you the story because some of you were in middle school and high school now, and I'm just gonna tell you, man, if you could get it now, and you could live your life on purpose for his purpose for the rest of your life, how awesome would that be? And I'm glad I discovered that when I was 17. But some of you are 30, or 40, or 70, or 80, and you know how to play church, but you still got your other foot in the world. You, you want to keep God just close enough to where you get in trouble, you can go, help. Like Jesus is your get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not a relationship. He's not boss. You're just telling him when he can show up in your life, and that's not how it works. But if that's where you're at, I, I want you to consider, as I pray for you, what, what's going on in your life. And then maybe one more category, and that would just people who are who are figuring all this out and it's finally connecting. Like, you know, Jesus, yeah, Christmas is about Jesus and he came and he lived the perfect life and he died on a cross to to forgive you of your sins. And you're like, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Like, I'm ready. So I wanna be praying for you too. So let's just take a moment to do that. And if you don't mind, just just bow your heads with me, okay? God, we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for loving us enough to come to our rescue. I mean, your your word says before the foundations of the world, it was your plan to send Jesus that his blood would pay the price for for us to be adopted into your family. Those are your words. Thank you for coming after us. And for those who love you and are following you with everything they've got, God, I just want to ask that you would be with us, that every single day we remember, we, we can't do this on our own power, we need you. And for those who maybe have been living in two different places, two different worlds, and they show up maybe every week, maybe a few times a year, I don't know. They know how to do church, but you're not a priority to them, not really. Pray, God, that maybe this is the moment, this is the time where they say, okay, Jesus, I'm back in, I'm all in. And maybe for those who are new, Even right now, in their heart, just silently to you, they could just say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge. I want to give you my life. Thank you for coming to be with me. I want to be with you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Let me give you some follow-up, okay? If this is new to you or community is new to you and you want to find out more, we have a thing called Next Step. It happens in two weeks. It's the first Sunday of every month uh, during our nine o'clock service. It actually meets at the next building over. And we have a class that is called Next Step because some of you are like, hey, I like it here. What's my next step? That's why we call it Next Step, right? So that's where you go. You can actually sign up right on the app that you got, or if you don't have that yet and you want some help with that, we have a new hair card outside. Go find us out there. We'll get you signed up, get you fixed for that. That's that's coming up. We also, in a couple weeks, are going to be starting a new series called Family Values. And whether you're married or single, whether you have kids or you are a kid, by the way, that just covered everybody in the room. We're all a kid to somebody, right? So whoever you are, whatever your situation, I know you're gonna get a lot out of this series. We're really excited about family values. And then one more thing about our church, in case you don't know community very well, we care about our community, the, the valley that we live in. And one of the things we picked up on a few years ago as I was talking to the Hemet Unified School District Clothes Closet Somebody directed me there and just said, hey, they've got some needs. So we went and we said, hey, our church wants to help. What's your biggest need right now? And this was approaching wintertime, and I figured they were going to say coats. And they said underwear and socks. And it about broke me. That's the biggest need in our community for kids. Underwear and socks. So every January, we just start bringing underwear and socks. You, Walmart, Costco, wherever you're at, you see a package, just buy another package, bring it, dump it in the cans. We'll have in the lobby for the month of January. And then at the end of the month, we'll take all those down there. We've taken truckloads down there. And they need some more again this year. So we're going to be doing that. So just some ways that you can be a part of making a difference in our valley. Because like we have these little lights around here. We, we want to shine in our community for Jesus. And I want to just say thank you for being here with us tonight, whether this is your first time or your thousandth time, we're glad that you've been here with us. We're going to stand right now and we're going to sing one of my favorite Christmas songs. So you get to sing it because it's one of my favorites. Let's sing
3: us here tonight, our last Christmas Eve service, we're going to close things out with a song like Pastor John was saying, a song that we all know, Joy to the World, I want to hear you sing it nice and loud with us, okay, let's sing it together, come on. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. let earth
4: receive her King.
3: weekends at community and take communion we have communion in the side rooms waiting for you if you're new here with us don't forget to grab our app hopefully the qr code will go on the screen uh, it's an easy way to connect with us normally we, we meet on thursdays and sundays no thursday this week so sunday morning 9 a.m and 10 45 we would love to see you guys there otherwise have a merry christmas good night